Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, in need of a word from you. Father, we are approaching a time where many of us will face hand-to-hand combat with the enemy of souls. Lord, we need to know how to become better warriors, better soldiers. And Lord, we're here to be trained by your presence and by your spirit. Please, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me tonight. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. On the way here, I was uh, going through one of the stores in the airport, and I saw this magazine that caught my attention. Uh, First, because of the color of it, it just looked really interesting. And then when I looked, it was a Time magazine, and uh, the cover intrigued me. I don't know if you can see this. Special Ops. Special Ops. And uh, the subheading of it is The Hidden World of America's Toughest Warriors. And I picked up the magazine because uh, I knew where I was going. I was going to Hawaii. Not that Hawaii is a tough place, but uh, in Hawaii, we were going to be attending Army. And I thought, man, this is really neat. Uh, Let me pick this up and uh, take a look at how these special forces are trained. And as I skimmed through the magazine and read some of these different things, um, it really hit me. I mean, I looked at how these guys, you know, that that make it uh, into these special forces are trained. Uh, some of them are, are have their hands tied behind their back and they're dipped into, into freezing water and uh, they have to stay in there as long as they can or swim down to the bottom of the pool and pick something up with their teeth and swing back, swing back up. And uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, training sessions, uh, these boot camps, if you will, uh, uh, require these, these, these warriors to do like 72 push-ups in two minutes. Uh, sometimes they're let out into, in, in desolate places and they're hunted down and then when they're caught, this is all simulated, but when they're caught, uh, they go through four days of intense inter- interrogation. They're actually treated like prisoners of war and tortured. And as I looked at this and, 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 and saw this heading, America's Toughest Warriors, I began to think to myself, you know, God wants his people to be good soldiers, tough soldiers. Now, let me ask you something. When, when, when these soldiers are being dipped in ice-cold water, do you think that they're saying, my trainer hates me? Why is he doing this to me? No, I don't think they're saying that. You know what they realize? They, they realize that their trainers actually love them. That their trainers actually desire the best for them. Beloved, the lesson to me was very profound. 
How many of you have ever been through trials and obstacles where you begin to think that God must not really like you too much? Or it seems like he's letting things happen in your life that, uh, that cause you to wonder where he is. Beloved, I want to tell you tonight that it's all a part of God's obstacle course. And by the way, that is the title of my message tonight, God's Obstacle Course. You see, beloved, we are here to be trained. Now, I know this is a beautiful camp, and the ocean view is just, it's just beautiful, right? But, but I want you to look at these next few days as a boot camp. Amen? Uh, yes, there are pleasurable scenes here, but, but remember that God is here to train us. God has provided, I believe, an obstacle course that if endured, will produce powerful soldiers. How many of you brought your Bibles tonight? Amen. Amen. So, I would like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want to lay something out for you tonight, beloved, that by the grace of God you will never forget. 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Before we go to the verse, I want to take your minds back. We're in the time of the children of Israel. They have spent 400 years in Egyptian captivity, and God is about to lead them out of captivity and into where? The promised land. God was going to lead them from slavery through the wilderness into the land that had been promised them. But before the children of Israel could get into the promised land, they must go through a training, if you will. They must go through a, a time of trouble, as it were. Do you understand that the children of Israel did indeed go through a time of trouble there in the wilderness? In fact, the time of trouble was, was so tremendous that, that a whole generation was wiped out. It, it's kind of reminiscent of what's going to happen at the end of time. Are you with me? And so, beloved, as God was leading these, this, the, the children of Israel into the promised land, he also knew that he was dealing with a people who had been subject to 400 years of slavery and of captivity. And what God was now doing was he was about to train up soldiers. You see, beloved, that journey was a journey of faith. It was a fight of faith. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, the Bible says here, Thou therefore do what? Endure, what everyone? Hardness as a good what? Soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. You see, beloved, we too are on a journey. We too are hoping to get to that promised land, the land of heaven. But in order for us to get there, we must first leave captivity. And between captivity and the promised land, there will be a time of trouble that each one of us faces. 
So God has graciously provided a boot camp. I just think back to that Old Testament where the children of Israel are being led out into the wilderness and you realize that, God, that the Bible calls it the camp of Israel. But this was no ordinary camp. I like to look at it as a boot camp with God himself training the children of Israel in the art of righteousness. God's special boot camp. God's special training ground. And what made that training ground so special anyway? He was there. What else was there? The sanctuary was there. And you understand that through that sanctuary, God taught his people about the plan of salvation. Are you with me? Beloved, the very process through which the children of Israel were led from captivity into the promised land, that very training that God had given the children of Israel, we find present in the very life of Jesus Christ. Please stay with me here because we're going to see something profound, something amazing, something mind-blowing. I want you to go with me to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. When you get there, please say amen. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Are you there? Amen. John 14, verse 1, the Bible says here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house... Are many what? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be what? Also. Now, where was the place that Christ was going to prepare for his followers? His father's house. Where is that? It's in heaven. It's the heavenly Canaan. Are you with me so far? So Christ says, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come again and do what? Receive you that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I want you to notice verse 4. The Bible says, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the what? Way. In other words, he's asking here, wait a minute, what is the path, what is the direction, how do we get to the Father's house? Uh, uh, Sometimes I've subtitled this message, The Race to the Father's House. You see, beloved, when Jesus was saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you, what he was trying to tell them was, listen, the way that I get there is the way that you're going to get there. That's the way. Verse 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what Jesus is showing is, listen, the path that you need to go, I am traversing that path before you. So that I am the example of how you get there. Are you with me so far? 
So if we want to get there, we need to follow whose example? Christ's example. Amen? Now, I want you to notice something, because did Christ get to heaven? Absolutely. Now, I want to take you to a, a particular portion of Scripture that shows the celebration of Christ's entrance into heaven. It's found in Psalm 24. Psalm 24, beginning with verse 3. Psalm 24. Verse 3, when you're there, say amen. amen. Notice what the Bible says. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceit. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is a generation of them that seek him, that seek the face of the Lord, O Jacob, Selah. Notice verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall do what? Come in. Who is this king of glory? Who is it? The Lord, strong and what? Mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. So, question. Who is this speaking about? Jesus. And what did he do? He gets to heaven. And what is a celebration? He's being celebrated as the Lord, strong and mighty, mighty in what? Battle. I think Christ was the best special ops person there ever was. <laughs> so, so what we're seeing here, beloved, is that Christ, as he enters in, it is, it is, it is stated that he had to do battle in order to get in. Are you with me? Therefore, if we want to get in, we too must do battle as good soldiers of the Lord. It goes on to say, verse 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord, uh, uh, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty to battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And so, praise God, we've got a picture here, kind of like the end picture. Christ has crossed the finish line, and there he is, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is in the heavenly Canaan, and he says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again, meaning that you too will go through the same process. But, beloved, there is something that, that, that sometimes we miss before Christ. Victory ascension into heaven. And that is, before he entered into heaven, he had to do battle. That's what you're here for tonight, beloved. I, I, I want you to realize tonight, this, these next five days, you're not only here to learn how to study the Bible. Are you with me? You can know how to study the Bible and be lost for eternity. You've got to know how to become a well-rounded soldier. Are you with me? So, so, so I want you to jump back two uh, chapters to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, it begins with these words. My God, my God. 
Why hast thou what? Forsaken me. Now, who remembers where that came from? Jesus as he's on the cross. Here's something amazing, beloved. Here's something powerful I want you, for those of you who are here who may be wrestling or struggling or discouraged, you feel sometimes like, you know, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Have you ever felt like God has forsaken you? So I want you to watch this. In Psalm 22, Christ is crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Psalm 24, he is celebrating. Are you with me? Christ, in order to make it into the kingdom, had to go through a time of trouble to the point where it felt like his father had done what? Forsaken him. Now, beloved, to me, that's special ops training. How do you do when it appears that the Father has forsaken you? Are you with me? God wants to train us till we get to the place where we are so efficient as soldiers that even if it appears that the Heavenly Father himself has forsaken us, he has trained us well enough to keep fighting. Psalm 22, verse verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night seasons, and I'm not silent, but thou art holy. And O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted that thou would deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn, and they shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, he trusted on the Lord, seeing that he would what? Deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Question, did God deliver his son? Yes. You know what deliverance implies? If you are delivered from something, it implies a path. Are you with me? If you're delivered from something, if you are brought away from something, uh, the Bible says that God has provided a way of escape from every temptation. So, beloved, what we're seeing here is that there is a path that directs us to the Father's house. And, And I believe, beloved, that along this path is God's obstacle course. And that we are trained just like someone running an obstacle course and jumping over this object and diving over that object and having to crawl under a certain object. God has created an obstacle course that is designed to train us so that we can get to the Father's house. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 tells us that he that overcomes, I will grant to sit in my throne. Anybody ever go through an obstacle course before? (laughs) Huh? Or you've seen one? You know, he that overcomes, in other words, he that makes it through this obstacle course will be granted a seat on Christ's throne. Now, beloved, I want to get to his throne. How about you? But we have an adversary who is doing everything in his power to stop us from getting to that throne. Therefore, God needs to train powerful and diligent soldiers, soldiers that will make it no matter what obstacle Satan comes up with. 
Proverbs 4.18 tells us that the path talks about the path of the who? The just. The path of the just. Beloved, I want to be on the path of the just. How about you? How about you? God wants us, beloved, to understand what this path of the just is, what this way is, what this obstacle course is. I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 11. Why does God want to train us? What is he training us in, I should ask? Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs, the 11th chapter, and I want you to notice with me, beginning with verse 4. When you get there, please say amen. Amen. Proverbs 11, verse 4. The Bible says here, riches profit not in the day of what? Wrath, but righteousness delivereth. What's that word? Delivereth from what? Death. So what do we see here? The Bible tells us that, um, where are we in? Verse 4, riches. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. What is that telling us? Your money's no good. Riches are no good in the time of trouble, but righteousness is what will count. Are you with me? Righteousness is what will deliver us in the time of wrath, in the time of trouble. Now, let me ask you something. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right doing. And someone else said righteousness is character. Character. I want you to go over with me to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. Proverbs 22, verse 1. This verse actually uh, uh, corresponds with the verse we just read, but it says something a little bit different. When you get there, please say amen. By the way, at Army Bible Camp, one of the things that you're going to train the most are your fingers. We're going to be doing a lot of turning in a lot of scriptures. Are you with me? Proverbs 22, verse 1, the Bible says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great, what? Riches. And loving favor rather than silver or gold. So so the verse we just read said, Riches don't profit in the day of wrath. Well, what will profit in the day of wrath? A good, a good name, right? Now, when we mention name, what does that signify? Character. Let me ask you something. What can we have a danger of connecting name with? When someone says you have a good name. Good name, we often equate with good what? Good what? Reputation. Guess what, beloved? Reputation is not character. Reputation is not what's going to save you in the last days. It's character. So God wants to train us in character. There's a powerful statement here I want to read to you. Child Guidance, page 161. Mental ability and genius are not character, for these are often possessed by those who have the very opposite of a good character. Reputation is not character. True character is a quality of soul revealing itself in the conduct. And then listen to this. A good character is a capital of more value than gold or silver. So, beloved, I want you to understand that what God is trying to do is he's trying to train our characters so that in the day of wrath, in the time of trouble, we will have characters that are suitable to enter the kingdom of God. And by the way, 
the Bible tells us that Jesus made himself of no reputation. You want to know why? Because Jesus understood that reputation can easily be destroyed. Character is what counts. And so God's soldiers must be aware that God wants to train them. God wants to cause them or lead them in a way that they will produce godly character. Lift them up, page 248. It says, trials are God's workmen ordained for the perfection of character. Therefore, beloved, when God provides an obstacle course, he is doing it not to injure us, not to harm us, but to produce character. So, where do we want to get? We want to get to the throne of God. Amen? Well, beloved, if we want to get to the throne of God, all we need to do is to see what was it that Jesus went through, what was his obstacle course that led him to the throne of God? Are you ready for it? Listen, beloved. If, if, if Psalm 22 is the deliverance, I'm sorry, is, the, is Christ crying out, and Psalm 24, I'm going to take my jacket off. We are in Hawaii. Whew. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> take off the tie. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Hawaiian style, right? Because you know what? I'm taking off the tie because here comes the good part of the sermon. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please guide us as we finish our study, Lord. Please help us to see and understand your obstacle course. In Jesus' precious name we pray. If Psalm 22 speaks about Christ's uh, 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 time of trouble and Psalm 24 speaks of him entering the kingdom of heaven, then where, pray tell, do you think we will find the obstacle course that led him from 22 to 24? How did you guess that? <laughs> Psalm 23. Let's go there. Psalm 23. Beloved, Psalm 23, a psalm that we are all very familiar with, I pray will open your eyes in a way that you have never seen it before. Psalm 23 is God's obstacle course. Psalm 23. How many verses in this psalm? Just look at it and tell me. Six verses. Six verses. Let's begin with verse one. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The first obstacle, beloved, I want to talk to you about, the first obstacle that God's people must learn to overcome is the obstacle of death. The obstacle of death. You see, beloved, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29, Christ himself, this, this, power, this uh, 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 psalm is, is, is a reflection of the things Christ went through in his life that prepared him 
for entering the kingdom of heaven. Could Christ say the Lord is my shepherd? What does a shepherd do? He leads who? Sheep. Was Christ called the Lamb of God, yes or no? Well, if Christ was called the Lamb of God, according to John 1, then who was the shepherd? His father. And so Christ could pray, the Lord or my father is my what? Shepherd. Then he goes on to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By the way, if God was, was, uh, was the shepherd of Jesus and he is leading the lamb because that's what shepherds do, where was he leading the lamb? He was leading the lamb to the, to the slaughter. He was leading the lamb to the cross. And beloved, as good soldiers, you and I must learn to overcome the fear of dying. You see, beloved, according to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, hold your place here with me and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what the Bible tells us concerning Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through what? Death he might destroy him that had the power of what? Death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of what? Death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Beloved, Jesus as a soldier was not afraid of death. And so the very first obstacle you and I face is that we must overcome the fear of dying. What are you talking about, Pastor? Are you talking about the fear of getting shot by a bullet? No, I'm talking about the fear of dying to self. Are you with me? We must, beloved, understand that the Lord Jesus is our shepherd. And if he is our shepherd, where is he leading us? He's leading us to the slaughter. That's why he says in Matthew 16, 24, take up your what? Cross and do what? Follow me. Beloved, if you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you must cease to fear death. You see, beloved, the soldier that does not fear death does not fear anything. Are you with me? And God is trying to produce super soldiers for these last days. He's trying to produce soldiers who will be able to go up against the forces of evil and the forces of darkness and come out on top. Beloved, I hope that's why you're here at Army. In fact, beloved, one of the benefits when you overcome that obstacle of death, do you know the condition of the dead? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6, the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither their love nor their hatred nor their envy, all those things are perished. The memory of them is forgotten. You know what that means? When you learn to overcome death, when you learn to die to self, the things you used to love, it's gone. It no, it's done. You're dead. And the things you used to hate, it's gone. It's the, and your envy, it's gone. And even your memory, the grudges that we hold for what people have done to us way back then, it's all gone. 
God is trying to train soldiers, beloved, who will overcome the fear of death. I find it interesting, beloved, you know, uh, if we don't master death, we're going to be in serious trouble. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and uh, the two thieves next to him had, uh, uh, had died? And the Roman soldier came and he looked at Jesus and Jesus looked like he was dead, but he couldn't tell. And so you know what he did? He took a spear. Now, if Jesus was alive, what would have happened when that spear penetrated? He would have responded. Beloved, we get up every day and we claim to be dead. We're dead. We look dead. And all the devil has to do is take out that spear. And we're like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm alive. All right. Just kidding. Don't stab me, please. Right? It's not enough to fake death, beloved. It's not enough to fake death. We have to really die. And so, beloved, when God teaches us to overcome this obstacle, we get one step closer to Jesus Christ. It builds character when we learn how to die. John 10, chapter, John 10, verse 1 through 4 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. How does he enter in? Through the what? Through the door. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and does what? Leadeth them out. Beloved, do you realize that this was the very same obstacle course that the children of Israel went through in their deliverance from Egypt into the promised land? Okay, you're really going to make me get excited all by myself. You're going to do this. Beloved, when God comes to Israel, the shepherd, he tells them, take a lamb. And kill it. And put the blood where? On the door. My sheep hear my voice and he leadeth them out. In the same way that God began the journey of the children of Israel is the same way we find in Psalm 23. That very first obstacle, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Beloved, we, if we want to be good soldiers, we must learn how to overcome the obstacle of death. We must be able to, to we must no longer have fear of our slave masters. You see, beloved, when that blood was put up on the post of the door and God was telling the children of Israel, I'm going to lead you away from your slave masters, I want you to realize that the children of Israel could have said, no, we can't do that. We will make our slave masters mad. But they had to operate in total confidence that God was able. And so, beloved, we ought to be looking at our slave masters. Who's your, what's your slave master today? Right? What is it? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it friends? Who is your slave master? What is your slave master? God says that the first obstacle you need to overcome is the obstacle of the fear of death. 
Look your slave master in the face and say, I am leaving you today by the blood of the Lamb. By the way, beloved, the verse goes on to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, what? Want. What does the word want mean? Desire. I shall not desire. There's nothing I am lacking I don't desire. Now, beloved, what is so important about that word desire? Give me another word for desire. Lust. Okay. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lust. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He fulfills me so much that I desire nothing the world has to offer. Beloved, when you die to self, the wants that you used to have are done. Now, beloved, this is so important because in the book of James chapter 1, the Bible tells us that sin is a result of acting upon lust. So you see, beloved, when we learn to die to self and allow the Lord to be our shepherd, we overcome the obstacle of sin and death. We overcome the obstacle of, of lust and wanting. We can say, nope, God fulfills my every desire, and there is nothing I want that this world has to offer. Beloved, you're, when you do that, you're on the right step to becoming a special soldier for Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there, beloved, because the next obstacle that we come across, I call it the obstacle of, well, let me not give it away. Let's go to verse 2. Psalm 23, verse 2. The Bible says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think of? What image comes to your mind when you think of green pastures? Huh? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What word? Just give me a word that comes to mind. That, that whole verse. What word comes to mind? Peace and what? Rest. Beloved, listen to me. The second obstacle that God's soldiers must learn to overcome in order to make it into the kingdom of heaven, in order to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, is the obstacle of impatience. You see, beloved, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. You see, beloved, the idea of still waters. Come, here, come on, what do you think of when you think of still waters? Just kind of laying by you, and everything is just what? Just tranquil, right? Still. Relax. You see, beloved, what is the opposite of still waters? Raging waters. How many of you remember reading in Daniel 7 about when Daniel sees the four beasts? He sees them in the midst of what? Raging seas. You see, beloved, raging seas represent strife and anger and animosity. And, beloved, what I'm trying to tell you is that the second obstacle that a soldier of Christ must learn to overcome is the obstacle of self-control, of maintaining your peace and rest even when things around you are not peaceful. You see, beloved, the Bible says of Jesus in Isaiah 53, verse 7, that he was bruised for our iniquity. You remember that verse? 
He was bruised. He was, it talks about how uh, he is led as a lamb to the slaughter, and yet he did what? Opened not his mouth, beloved. Jesus maintained his peace in the midst of the greatest trial this world has ever seen. In the very same way, beloved, you and I must overcome that obstacle of impatience. Luke 21, verse 9, Jesus says, In your patience, possess ye your souls. You want to be a good soldier? You need to be able to maintain a fierce calmness. (laughs) I'll let you think about that. A fierce calmness to the point where nothing can rattle you just like nothing rattled Jesus. I thought about, I was reading on my, uh, in my Time magazine about some of the training, and I mentioned a little bit earlier that one of the trainings that they do, they will get a soldier and, and take him through four days of intense interrogation and torture, and that soldier must maintain his quietness. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, how many of us would maintain our peace when there's a storm around us? Beloved, can I tell you something? Listen, I mean, you might be like, Pastor, what does it have to do with Bible study? Everything. If you only know how to study the Bible, but you don't know how to maintain your peace, and you don't know how to die to self, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. We want well-rounded soldiers, amen? Soldiers who are not just strong in this, but weak in that. God is looking for soldiers who will be able to stand through any trial. Manuscript releases, volume 2, page 343. We read here, the heavenly universe is watching with the deepest interest the conflict between Christ in the person of his saints and the great deceiver. Those who recognize and resist temptations are fighting the Lord's battle. To such are given the commendation, blessed is a man that endureth temptation. Endurance of temptation means the cultivation of patience. The tempted, harassed soul cannot trust in his own strength of purpose. Feeling his utter helplessness, he flees to the stronghold, saying, My Savior, I cast my helpless soul to thee. The fiercer the the temptation, the more strongly he clings to the mighty one. Beloved, what is your patience factor like? How, how, how long are you willing to rest? The reason why God puts this obstacle before us is because he wants us to master rest. When we learn how to master rest and patience in, in the face of conflict and trial, we are on our way to the kingdom of heaven. But there is another obstacle to be found, by the way, by the way, uh, it is this same obstacle that God led the children of Israel to through. Because you remember that as the children of Israel were faced with the Egyptians behind them and the Red Sea before them, do you know what God did? He opened the seas. 
we might say he stilled. <laughs> he stilled the waters. Interesting. That as Christ is praying this very thing, he leads me beside still waters, meaning he's got me under control and so I'm going to trust in him. In the very same way the children of Israel were learning the lesson when God parted the seas. In fact, the Bible says when they had finally went all the way through and the seas came back, the Bible says the sea came back to its strength or power or its roughness. That's the Hebrew, its roughness. Can you imagine the children of Israel walking through and looking at waters just like walls? That's what the Bible says. They were like walls. Just still, he leadeth me beside still waters. Beloved, God is providing an obstacle course. It's interesting. (laughs) Do you remember what Moses said that the children of Israel began to worry? Just before he lifted up his rod, the Bible says, that the children of Israel shall hold their peace. Okay, wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> Remember, still waters represents holding your peace. Moses says, you will hold your peace and the Lord will do what? Fight for you. Beloved, God is trying to train his people so that they will be fit for the kingdom of heaven. How many of you want to be fit for the kingdom of heaven? But there's another, let's go to verse 3 of Psalm 23, because there's another obstacle we must overcome. Verse 3 reads, He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his what? Namesake. Psalm 23, verse 3, speaking of restoring my soul, uh, it means he rescues my soul or he saves my soul. You see, beloved, the obstacle, obstacle number three, it's the obstacle of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. I can do it myself. I can save myself. No, we cannot save ourselves. Only Christ can save us. In fact, we might ask, did Christ pray this prayer? Did Christ ask his father to rescue him? Exactly. Right there in the garden of Gethsemane, Christ is pleading. What's he doing? He's pleading. He's praying to his father. He's saying, look, not my will, but thine be done. The Bible says that Christ cried out with strong tears unto him that was able to do what? Save him or rescue him. So, beloved, just as Christ goes through this obstacle of saying, not my will, not self-dependence, but dependence upon my heavenly Father, so you and I must come to the place where we understand that we cannot depend upon ourselves, but we must depend upon who? Jesus. You know what Jesus does? The Bible says Jesus ever liveth to do what? Make intercession for who? For us. Isn't that how we are saved? Through Christ's intercession on our behalf? Beloved, the most dangerous sin in the world is the sin of self-sufficiency. Christ demonstrated that we must depend upon an outside source for our strength. In fact, you know what he was doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
What was he doing when he was talking to his father? He was agonizing. He was praying. All right, let me, let, let me, let's, let's point it now. Beloved, listen to me. Do you remember when Christ prayed and he said, if, this, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me? How many times did he pray? He prayed three times. In another place, it says that he prayed so much that he, it was as though he was sweating great drops of what? Blood. Beloved, listen to me. If you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you need to learn how to pray. That amen was so weak. <laughs> it's like, huh? It kind of sounds like Peter saying amen when Jesus said, pray with me. Uh, amen. <laughs> what happened to Peter? Peter fell asleep, beloved. Listen, Jesus was demonstrating that a soldier, a soldier who says, I am in God's army, must learn how to pray and how to pray long. Amen. Pastor, I pray for five minutes. Not good enough in God's army. Ten minutes, not good enough in God's army. Pastor, I pray for 20 minutes, not good enough in God's army. You see, beloved, God is trying to find people who, who, who can spend hours in prayer. Man, you sound weak out there. <laughs> God is trying to find people who are spending hours in prayer, who are agonizing, who are sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Because if we don't know how to agonize now, we will not know how to agonize then. Sleep deprivation. I was reading in this article that they submit soldiers to this very thing. Sleep deprivation. They want to see how you act when you don't have any sleep. They want to see can you still fight when you don't have any sleep. They want to see do you, does your mind still work correctly when you don't have any sleep. Peter slept. Jesus didn't. Jesus sometimes spent all night in prayer and then went out to work. Beloved, God is trying to train soldiers who even under the greatest mental stresses are able to hold their peace. Do you realize what the time of trouble is going to be like when you may be lacking sleep? You know, how many of you, uh, hmm. How many of you, you say, people can tell when I have not slept the night before? <laughs> yeah? I didn't sleep, and you can tell. Do you know how many sleepless nights Jesus had? And yet without sin? Beloved, Christ is trying to teach us how to pray so that we can become well-rounded soldiers. The season of distress and anguish before us will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay, and hunger. A faith that will not faint, though severely tried. The period of probation is granted to all to prepare for that time. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. You know who Jacob was, right? The same guy after whom Jacob's time of trouble is named. Do you want to make it through Jacob's time of trouble? 
Beloved, if you want to make it through Jacob's time of trouble, you need to learn how to persevere like Jacob did. And Jacob wrestled with God all night. Hmm. Prayer. Prayer. Do, do you know what, what uh, the Bible uses to represent prayer uh, in, the, in the book of Revelation? It represents, it's incense. Isn't that right? Incense. Represents our communion with God. And the Bible tells us, interestingly enough, that in the Old Testament, God used a cloud to lead the children of Israel to the promised land. In other words, it's that cloud guided them through the wilderness. In the very same way, we are told that when the spirit of truth has come, he will do what? Guide you into all truth. Why, beloved? Because that spirit of truth is given so that we can learn how to better communicate with our heavenly father. In fact, it's interesting that the Bible says that Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, something received him out of their sight. What was it? A cloud. <laughs> Do you know why? Because Jesus was going to take his place as our what? Intercessor. Revealing to us that we cannot save ourselves, we must depend upon Christ as our high priest. Are you with me? All right, now. Are you ready? I'm just going to say, who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Do you remember we just talked about how when we, when we began, we said that God, God's camp back there in Israel was really like a training camp? And, and we talked about God's boot camp and how, how God had, 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 had special things there in the Old Testament that helped the children of Israel to understand the plan of salvation. Well, you helped me here. What we, we said that it was what in particular? The sanctuary. Is that right? Okay, so I want to show you here a picture of the sanctuary, and you help me here. There are how many articles of furniture uh, do you see here? Six. I'm just going to pause. I, these pauses are very important. Six articles of furniture. Six. Maybe I should say it one more time. Six. Six articles of furniture. Let's go through them quickly. The first article of furniture is found in the outer court, and that is called the altar of what? Sacrifice, okay? And then the second article found is the laver. And then in the holy place, you have three articles of furniture, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the seven-branch candlestick. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's throne. Now, 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 there's something I failed to mention about Psalm 23. You see, in Psalm 23, verse 1, it begins, the Lord is my shepherd. What do shepherds do? They lead. But Psalm 23, verse 6, ends how? And I will dwell in the what? House of the Lord. So watch this. Psalm 23 begins with the Lord is our shepherd leading us to where we are seated with Christ on his what? Throne. So get the picture here. There are six verses in the book, in the, in the chapter, uh, Psalm 23. There are six 
articles of furniture. Now, in case you're wondering, Pastor, what's the connection? Well, let's check it out. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Where is verse 1 pointing to? The altar of sacrifice. God's obstacle course. <laughs> God's obstacle course. Where is God trying to lead us to? He's trying to lead us to the secret place of the Most High. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2, he leadeth me. <laughs> oh, beloved. Coincidence? I don't think so. What are the odds? That labor, beloved, that, that, that where that still water was, what are the odds that God is trying to show us that his obstacle course is the very same obstacle course given to the children of Israel back there in the wilderness? Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. Speaking about Christ as our intercessor, where is that pointing to? The altar of incense. Are you with me? God's obstacle course. Now, beloved, in light of that, it is with joy that we can read verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4, please notice with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means though I walk through a dark place. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what? Fear no evil. Hmm. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, what do they do? They comfort me. You see, beloved, what's the scary thing about walking in a dark place? You can't see. So, so, so let me call this obstacle, obstacle number four, the obstacle of night sights. Good soldiers need to have good night vision. Good soldiers need to be able to, to, to operate even when it's dark. You see, beloved, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ could not see through the portals of the tomb. He couldn't see. So he had to operate by faith. Why? Because the just walk by what? Faith, not by sight. So Christ had to exercise faith vision, if you will. Yea, though I can't see through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, why wouldn't he fear evil? Why wouldn't he fear evil? The verse says, thy rod and thy staff, what do they do? They comfort me. 
Now, now, rod and staff, what, what's he talking about, thy rod and thy staff? Who, what illusion can we think of rod and staff? Okay, a shepherd's rod, a shepherd's staff, but is there someplace else that we hear that we remember the term rod or staff? Aaron's what? Rod, and what did it do? It butted. I want you to watch this. Uh, 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 Numbers chapter 17, verse 8. Uh, uh, I'm going to turn there. You can turn if you want, but hold your place in Psalm 23. Numbers 17, verse 8. The Bible says it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of the witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was what? Budded and brought forth what? Fruit. I mean, brought forth fruits. Brought forth buds and bloomed, bloomed blossoms and yielded what? Almonds. Please remember that. You see, what is a rod? What kind of a stick? It's a dead stick. (laughs) Profound, right? (laughs) It's a dead stick. So dead sticks are not supposed to bud, bloom, or blossom. (laughs) Why do I fear no evil? Because thy rod and thy staff is with me. The evidence that you will resurrect me. Remember, whoever had the rod, they were determined to be the priests, right? In the very same way, beloved, the reason why Christ is our high priest is because he is a dead stick that boomed, bloomed, blossomed, and budded. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I, though I die, I will fear no evil because God has evidenced me of resurrection. God has given me that evidence. He has allowed me to see it. Hmm. Do you know that it is by faith that God wants to train his soldiers? He wants to give us that night vision where no matter how dark the circumstances get, we learn to see in the dark. We learn to see in the dark. In the very same way, beloved, the Bible says the wicked stumble in darkness. You say, Pastor, what article of furniture are we talking about here? Uh, 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 By the way, I believe it's the book of Matthew where it says that uh, those that sit in darkness, that a light would come onto them. You remember that verse? Matthew 4, I think it's verse 16. Those that sit in darkness, uh, uh, a a light appeared in that shadow. Guess what, beloved? That light is Jesus Christ. And the reason why we don't have to fear is because Christ, as our light, guides us through the valley of dark places and dark things. But you say, Pastor, what article of furniture, beloved? It's obvious it's the seven-branch candlestick. By the way, it's a seven... (laughs) It's the seven... (laughs) It is the seven... (laughs) 
Oh, you got it. You got it. I'm just trying to make you marinate in your... <laughs> Seven branched candlestick. Can I read your description about the seven branched candlestick? Um, go with me to Exodus 25, verse 34. Exodus 25, verse 34. We're almost through here, beloved. We're almost through. Exodus 25, verse 34. The Bible says, And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knops and their flowers. The seven-branch candlestick had as its design blooms, blossoms, buds. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God's light is with me. He has given me night vision. And therefore, I don't need to be afraid. Therefore, I don't need to worry. Beloved, as good soldiers of Christ, we can allow our lights to shine no matter how dark it gets around us. We can be good witnesses unto the Lord Jesus Christ no matter how dark it gets around us. This brings us to verse 5. Oh, by the way, you remember when the cloud led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. You remember that to the Israelites it appeared as darkness, but to the, I'm sorry, to the Egyptians it appeared as darkness, but to the Israelites it appeared as what? As light. And where were they? They were going through the Red Sea. And when was it? Did they go through the Red Sea in the daytime? They went through in the night. God's light was with them in the dark place. Verse 5. We're, we're almost finished, beloved. Verse 5. Are you with me? Verse 5. Psalm 23, verse 5. I'm just going to let you read this by yourself. And go ahead, you know, so, pr Praise God, just do whatever you, just go. go. <laughs> huh? Do you see it? <laughs> do you see it? Just raise your hand if you see it. <laughs> Beloved, this is absolutely amazing. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Thou preparest a table. What's on that table? Bread. You know what Jesus said? Man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Beloved, is it any, any coincidence or do you think that God is trying to show us something here? It's amazing. Jesus, uh, 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 uh. Jesus in the wilderness had a table prepared before him. Are you with me? When the devil came to him and said, eat this, Jesus said, no, I already have a table in front of me. I already have the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? 
every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Beloved, let me mention something here, and I'm going to throw this in here, but one of the, I, I, am, I am coming to believe that one of the greatest trainings, obstacles, that we as Christians can overcome is the obstacle of fasting. I was reading in that special ops magazine that sometimes these soldiers are required to go without food for days. And yet God calls his people to learn how to treasure the word of God more than we treasure our daily food. Fasting sounds pretty, uh, ooh, fast, ah. But God is trying to train soldiers. Beloved, can I tell you something? What, uh, what is the, you know, the Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness, for they shall be filled. What's the quickest way to get hungry? The quickest way to get hungry is simply not to eat. <laughs> you see, beloved, I believe that one of, the, one of the reasons why God asks us to fast is because he's trying to create an appetite. Are you with me? The more we get hungry here, the more we pray, Lord, make me hungry for your word. Make me hungry for your truth. Make me hungry for righteousness. And the more we learn to hunger for something, whew, the more he says you will be filled. You see, beloved, these three articles of furniture right here, the table of showbread, that's Bible study, the seven-branch candlestick, that's letting your light shine, and prayer. If you want to be a balanced Christian, you need to be doing these three things. You see, some of us may, may have come only for Bible study. Ah, that prayer stuff is kind of kooky. <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, witnessing, eh, I just want to study the Bible. Can I show you something? You know, if you draw a line between, like, a, just a little line from here to here and from here to here, you know what you get? You get a scale. You get a balance. Do you know what happens? Let me, let me do it again. You know, you have your centerpiece here, and then you have your two pieces hanging by which you balance. You know what happens if one of these is heavier than the other? You're out of balance. <laughs> You're an imbalanced Christian. You want to know why so many Christians fall? <laughs> Man, I love studying the Bible, but prayer, ah! <laughs> man, man, I love witnessing, but, 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 but studying, ah, what are you witnessing if you're not studying? <clears throat> you see, beloved, what we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say tonight is that the army experience should not be just one about any one of these above the other. When you're coming here, you're coming to learn how to be a well-rounded, well-balanced soldier. By the way, that fifth obstacle is the obstacle of unforgiveness. And you say, Pastor, unforgiveness, what are you talking about? You see, the Bible says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, why does God prepare a table for his people in the presence of their enemies? Like, I used to think God was saying, I want you to eat in front of them and show them how much I love you. 
Just eat. Go. Eat. Eat. Go. Beloved, that's not what he's doing. He's saying, son, I've prepared a table before you, and your enemies are here. You have a lot of food on your table, son. Your cup is flowing over. What are you going to do with that food? You see, beloved, the reason why we study the word of God is to share. Share with your friends. Share with your enemies. Do you know what Jesus did to Satan when he came to him in the wilderness and said, uh, you know, why don't you do this? Jesus gave Satan bread. (laughs) He gave him the scripture. Here, here's some bread. Feed Satan. Yeah. (laughs) We are told that's the best way to overcome him. Give him some food. Here. Here, here. I just wanted to give you some bread. Christ fed his enemy. When he was sitting at the table at the Last Supper and Judas was sitting right there, God had prepared a table before him in the presence of his enemy. Beloved, God has called you here to learn how to study the Bible, not so that you can go back and say, I know, I know how to study the Bible, but so that you can feed your enemies. Do you know that unforgiveness is one of, is perhaps the greatest sin? God says, you don't forgive as I've forgiven you. In fact, Jesus said, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. And then it ends it off by saying, do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. (laughs) Overcome. (laughs) Obstacle course. And beloved, we finally end with verse 6. Verse 6 says, Psalm 23, verse 6 says, I will dwell, what? In the house of the Lord. Forever. By the way, that word in, I will dwell in the house. In the house uh, is a Hebrew word, bayith, and it actually simply means within. Okay? That word within, that Hebrew word, bayith, is used three times in Leviticus chapter 16, referring to inside the most holy place. I will dwell in the house. Of the Lord. That throne of God, beloved, that most holy place represents God's house, represents the heavenly Canaan. How many of you want to get there? (laughs) It is interesting that Psalm 91 begins, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall do what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
It says that he will be protected from the plagues that will come upon the earth. Beloved, do you see what this is saying? If we want to be protected, we must make it to this place before the time of trouble hits. God's obstacle course. The Bible says that he will set his angels over us and cover us. Do you know what that's saying? Do you know where the covering cherubs were? Over the law of God, God is saying, I will protect you and treat you as sacredly as my own law. Beloved, I want to make a very simple appeal tonight. You may have been looking at God's training over you and saying, God must hate me. <laughs> you know, God must be uh, uh, out to get me because he's, he's throwing me in cold water and uh, he's got all these things going on and, and my life seems to be upside down. But beloved, can I tell you something? The harder the training, do you know what that indicates? The greater the desire for God to see you shine. Whatever obstacle you're going through, beloved, listen to me. God is trying to create soldiers. Soldiers. Who would have ever thought? Psalm 23, God's obstacle course. Who would have ever thought Psalms 23 shows us the sanctuary outline and that that sanctuary is God's means, his ordained means. Thy way, O God, is where? In the sanctuary. The path to the Father's house is in the sanctuary. Beloved, as you, uh, as you listen to the words of the song, meditate upon them as you never have before. Amen. Is, you, is it your desire to dwell in the house of the Lord? Do you realize tonight that in order to get to the house of the Lord, God has to train you? Do you realize that tonight? I want to ask, is it your desire to say, Lord, train me how you will. Bring whatever obstacle I need. Bring whatever trial, bring whatever circumstance that you need to use to make me a fit soldier for the kingdom of heaven. Teach me how to study your word, but also teach me how to pray and teach me how to let my light shine despite the circumstances. Teach me how to rest when the storms are around me and teach me how to overcome the fear of dying to self. If that's your desire, I want you to raise your hand. Beloved, listen to me as Seventh-day Adventist. We jump into that most holy place and we say, I got the law of God and I'm all good. But if you don't know how to die to self, if you don't know how to forgive your enemies, if you don't know how to have peace in the midst of the storm, if you don't know how to let your light shine and if you're not praying, you are not keeping God's law. But beloved, if you do those things, you will naturally be keeping God's law. So Lord, put me in your obstacle course and help me to make it to the house of the Lord. If that's your desire, again, I want, you to ask you, want to ask you to raise your hands. Heavenly Father, I just pray tonight in a very special way that you would make this camp a very special camp, Lord. Equip us, Lord. Train us with everything that we need in order to leave this place well-balanced, 
well-rounded Christians. Thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do through these next few days and through the rest of our time living in this flesh. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com or you can call us at area code 805-226-8080. That's 805-226-8080. Thank you and God bless.